Unreal. Uncensored. Unradio. Cliffcentral.com. Good morning. It's Wednesday. It's time for Animal Central again. We're so excited to be back. Every week I look so forward to the next, I don't know what you call it, a, a edition, a radio slot. So I'm Sharon Dale. I'm here with my awesome, awesome co-host, Jonathan Sinclair. Hi, Jono. Hello, Sharon. How's it going? Not too bad. Good. Uh, I think we need to clear up uh, your MyProdol issue <laughs> just before everyone... <laughs> Um, I was just wondering. saying earlier, I woke up with a migraine this morning, convinced <laughs> it's caused by UVB lights in a beardy dragon tank. Oh, so, gosh. So I'm a little bit, I, if I take a panado, I want to sleep for a day. So you can imagine on, on my, yes, a shout out to my uh, Pradol. Yeah. <laughs> thank you, thank you. But if I ramble on a bit, just pull me back in, Jonah. Okay, we, so we've got to look out for you today. <laughs> you got to look out for, last week it was you with the ear infection. Well, I'm actually still on stuff for that, but we won't get into that. No, we won't get into that. So this should be quite an interesting yeah, show. Interesting this should show, be an yeah. interesting show. It is going to be an interesting show because today we we talking about two different things that very much affect our cats and dogs. Uh, first, we're going to be talking to Dr. Sonia Mariscevich. Yes, I got it right. Ah, the so. technical director from Pack Leader, and then we've got Grant Wallace in, who's the CEO of Pack Leader. Welcome, guys. Thanks for being with us oh, today. Uh, let's put mics on there. I'm sorry. It would, it would help <laughs> if we could hear All them. All right, let's do it. So we're going to be talking about a dog and cat nutrition, very important subject. We get a lot of questions on our Canines Own Facebook wall and letters into the magazine. Going to talk about that, and then afterwards we've got Carolyn in, who's a veterinarian. She is the business unit manager of MSD to talk about ticks and fleas. Very important subject. Again, we had one of our canine zoners, doggies pass away this week oh, from Billery. No. Quick. It happens so quick. Yeah. So protection is key and uh, we're going to talk to about that. I see some revolutionary new product that yes. they say is... Yes, and that's what this show's about. It's mm. it's to educate the public mm-hmm. to uh, about what's out there for your your pets. It's it's also to create awareness. The shows that we've done about animal cruelty. Um, we got the SPCA back in again next week talking about mm-hmm. farm animals which is going to be very, very interesting. Yeah, we can't just focus that's on what the dogs. We do. Yeah. No, well, that's what we do. We create awareness, let people know what's out there for them, and just encourage better pet ownership, all in all. Okay. All right, so let's start on nutrition. Um, is it important? Is dog nutrition, cat nutrition, is it very important? Or can you throw a couple of pellets in a bowl and, and that'll do it? No, of course not. Uh, nutrition is the most important component of health for any species, and especially for dogs and cats, considering we're on a dog and cat show predominantly. Yes. Um, what we recommend is looking for species-appropriate nutrition, so feeding the animals the diet they're designed to thrive on, obviously using the highest quality ingredients that you can afford. So that is the basis of all health. I don't think anything should be treated um, in any other way uh, that can be fixed with food. I yes. Think it oh, really? So anything from allergies to obesity, that is all coming back down to nutrition? Well, especially if your allergic response is mm. linked to an ingredient in the food. Yes. So you have two ways of, of, of uh, sorting out that problem. For example, if your dog is allergic to an ingredient in the food, you can not change the diet and not do the exercise of finding what the what the ingredient is that is causing the problem right. and administer you know a high dose of cortisone which will quieten yes, the yes. um quieten the symptoms that you see in the dog but you're not getting to the root to of the, the root problem cause. so for example if your dog is allergic to chicken or corn or wheat or soy which are your most common ingredients and therefore your most common allergens in pet food and you're feeding them their diet of course you'll see a side effect of that yes right so the logical approach would be to remove one or more of these offending of allergens from the diet, which would be fixing the problem at its root, at as its opposed root to administering. Yes. I know. Um, my my bull terrier suffered terribly from allergies, terribly, terribly, mm. and we did that whole the cortisone, and it would last for a couple of weeks. Mm. Then the allergies would come back, and then yes, we did change her diet, and we've seen that there's a few things that have triggered it. Mm-hmm. So it's important to find out what those triggers are. And I'm just going to interject, Jeff. Any of our listeners have questions, they can please. Please, please get hold of us. You can call in at 0861-555-189 on Twitter at cliffcentral.com 
and on WeChat. The ID is Cliff Central. Sonia, so you mentioned the few ingredients that are most prone to triggering. Is it soy? Corn? Ch- corn, really. Wheat and chicken. Well, I suppose dogs don't naturally eat those things. So. Well, other than chicken. I can't imagine a dog going for corn on its own, you know, something... No, and it's, it's quite a contentious issue because obviously dogs are meat eaters by nature, yet most of the foods we do mm. feed them are grain-based. And the predominant reason for that is cost saving rather than, okay. rather than, you know, improving the yes. level of nutrition that you mm. are feeding them. Because they are them. carnivores. They, they are, are basically carnivores. carnivores. They so are basically carnivores. They're a little bit uh, more flexible as carnivores go than, for example, cats who are obligate carnivores, uh, in the sense that you can feed them a more varied diet, but depends what you aiming for. If you're aiming for optimal nutrition, that would definitely be a meat-based diet for dogs and definitely cats. For dogs and cats. Because yeah. I, 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 cats are very specific. Uh, I've heard that they can't eat vegetable protein. They can't digest it. Is that true? No. They can digest vegetable mm-hmm. protein where cats are quite... Uh, unadapted to is breaking down the fiber that you find in vegetables because they oh. are um, they are obligate carnivores by nature. So actually dogs are, are not very good at that either, but as yes. I said, a little bit more, more adapted than cats. Um, I think that comes from their scavenging post where right. cats are highly specialized hunters. Yes. So dogs are direct descendants of the, of the wolves. They share their eating anatomy and nutrient requirements with the wolf. Right. And they're right. actually classified as, as the same species. You can breed dogs and wolves yes. and get viable yes, offspring. So that mm. really tells you how closely related they are. Um, where, um, and wolves are scavengers as well. So they would eat 80 to 90% of their diet as, uh, meat. Uh, by meat, I mean muscle meat and right, organs, yes, uh, yes. you know, and cartilage and so on. And we can speak in more details about why each of those components are important. Um, but, uh, uh, with the, uh, they do scavenge a little bit on the yes. side. So a portion of their natural diet is a bit of fruit and vegetable. But. They're more opportunistic. Yes. They're more yeah. opportunistic. But I wouldn't imagine, exactly. like John has said, they're not going to go into a cornfield and, and eat the corn. Yeah, yeah. Well, you've never seen a scare wolf in a cornfield. No. That's true. And, I mean, they, they also, how often, that's another question we often get. How mm. often should you be feeding your dog or cat. A lot of people, myself included, I will give them a little snack in the morning mm-hmm. and they get their main meal at night. Mm-hmm. Now, there, there could be issues with that, like bloat, what do you call it, stomach torsion. What is the best way to feed your, your dog or cat? How often? With dogs, the general recommendation is to feed them twice a day. That basically sinks in with their metabolic system, so they're not too hungry by the time you do feed them. Yes. So it's less likely that they will gulp down their food mm-hmm. with a lot of mm-hmm. air and so on. So when you think of of your nutrition as well, if you're eating once a day, you'll be pretty hungry just before your and just before your next yes. meal. Yes. You will eat more in one sitting, and it's it's a smaller portion size as well that you then. A, a portion into two that two meals so a day. That makes so much sense. My my pit bull is a little overweight, mm. and maybe you've hit on something there. Because when we do feed him at night around six o'clock, he gobbles mm. that bowl yeah. down mm. quick, 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 and he's mm. hungry afterwards. You know the whole table begging scenario. Mm. Yeah. Um, you know, so better to feed them in smaller portions, in smaller twice portions a day. twice a day. Now, obviously, if you have a younger dog that's still growing, then mm. you would feed uh, three times a day, or even sometimes more often than that, because you're supplying okay. their building blocks of their developing body and the extra calories they need more that often. They need. And should you make it a formal meal, or some people put out a bowl of kibble? And Leave it there for the day. Is that there are something a few, you can do? There are a few dogs that can adapt mm. to that way of feeding. Mm. But when you think back to the feeding pattern of wolves and dogs, is mm. that they bring down bigger prey in large packs of wolves or, or dogs, and uh, then they. Uh, um, eat as much as they possibly can in this competitive yes. environment. So unlike cats, who we'll talk about a bit later, because they have a different feeding pattern, uh, dogs are prone to overeating. The majority yes. of dogs are prone to overeating. Oh, yes. But, you know, you get those <laughs> feeders that are almost mm. like a bird feeder where mm. they just have access to food all day. I wonder mm. if that is not a bad thing. See, right? I, I don't like doing it because I think it's such a great part of the day to, to, yeah. to sort of connect with your dog, to do the whole feeding mm. ritual. Mm. I, I 
love agree, doing yeah. that than mm-hmm. to just put it there and let them, you know, feed yeah. themselves. Yeah. And as you say, Sonia, yeah, I think if I left a thing like that open for my dogs, <laughs> I think we'd, we'd have a serious problem. We really would. And, and cats? Um, the How often cat's should they eat? natural feeding pattern is to eat little and often. Oh, <laughs> so, okay. oh, uh, so if you do not have a cat that is obese at the moment, then um, leaving food out for them, if you're feeding them a kibble product or feeding them a wet food often, um, in which case you can't really leave it out because yes. it will uh, spoil, spoil yes. quickly. The dog le- normally lands. Yeah, the dog will eat it. <laughs> the dog will eat it unless you have it high up oh. where they can't reach it. Uh, but the the important thing with cats is that they're being obligate carnivores. It's important that that food that they're eating multiple times a day is species appropriate, meaning that yeah. it's high in protein, moderate in fat, and very low in and carbohydrate. Because yeah. nothing will make your cat fat quicker than yes. carbohydrates in their diet. You know, it's, it's interesting, Sonny, because I did a magazine called All About Cats. Mm. And we did an annual, and somebody wrote, and a veterinarian wrote an article for us, which was very interesting because she said that cats should not be fed mm-hmm. uh, dry food, only mm-hmm. wet food. Mm-hmm. Do you agree mm-hmm. with that? I think where that uh, point of view comes from is that the majority of your dry foods on the market are very – well, not very low, but lower in meat content than they should be for obligate oh, so carnivores. So, again, the grains that are put in there. So your grains will automatically uh, supply a lot of carbohydrate to their diet. So as a general rule, your kibbled food tends to be high in carbohydrate, low in protein and fat, ah. and lower in meat content overall. Um, but feeding high Meat quantity kibble diets is suitable for it's cats. It's fine. It's yeah. fine. So on both dogs and cats, should they have a, a combination of mm-hmm. kibble and uh, dry food and wet food, or can you just feed wet food or just dry food? You. It again depends on uh, on the wet food or the kibble food that you're yes, feeding. Yes. So both the kibble food and a wet food can be a complete and balanced diet. If it's made of the right mm. stuff. If right. it's yeah. made of the right stuff. So, And you can feed a combination of the both or you can feed either the one or the other depending on you know what yes. suits your dog, yourself, uh, your budget. Mm. Well, that's the thing. I, I think you, you've got to actually do well, your homework. Sometimes wet food can be almost like the treat of the day. Mm. I don't know. It just seems more mm. economical that way. I always way mix it. Maybe I think yeah. a lot of people... You put your human thoughts into it. Yes, yeah, you kind of go, oh, a bowl of kibble. It's mm-hmm. going to be nice. I always mm-hmm. put a sachet or something yeah. in mm-hmm. with it for them because mm-hmm. you think mm-hmm. it would be a nicer treat for yeah, them. But, yeah. but yes, look, cost is a factor. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are such mm-hmm. amazing pet foods out there. Um, but some people are a little bit concerned about the cost. Mm-hmm. There's medium range and then there's a very cheaper brands out there, some of them rather worrying <laughs> if you look at the ingredients. Um, mm. It's a lot of, what do you call it, offal? Bits and bobs that they get from abattoirs and stuff like that. So yeah. I think you've got to actually have a look and make sure you're giving, because mm. they're, your, your fa- they're part of the family. They also mm. need to eat well. I suppose in the long run, you're saving yeah. yourself money if you feed them the right Absolutely, because yeah. of health conditions yeah. and, and stuff like that. So Bad nutrition. What what are these symptoms? I know. Let, let's talk about obesity firstly. Right. What causes obesity? Is it overfeeding, giving treats, no exercise? Well, that's the million dollar question, mm. right? We have yeah, I wish I knew that answer. Humans, dogs, cats. You know, yeah, yeah. For a lot of species, I think it's definitely a combination of different factors. So uh, I would start off by making sure that you're feeding the right portion size for your dog's age and activity level. And the activity level is quite important as mm, well. So mm. you might have a senior dog, in which case they move around less and you need to feed them a smaller portion size. But if that senior dog is uh, still working border collie, if you drop their, yes. <laughs> drop their portion size, you will not end up with a good result no, for you absolutely. or for the border collie. Um, so uh, not overfeeding your pet is important. Mm. Um, the second consideration is the macronutrient breakdown of your food. So are you feeding them enough protein for them to retain their 
uh, muscle mass? Are you feeding them too much carbohydrate that if the dog is not moving around is not being burned off? Yes. In which case it's just stored as fat. Um, is the dog uh, getting enough exercise? Are they getting out enough? Uh, is the dog so focused on food because there's so little stimulation in their life mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. other sources and food becomes the most important thing that yes. they concentrate on? So it's a... Um, it's unfortunately a package deal. There is no yeah, easy, easy way to easy fix way. everything. But for me, dogs mm. always seem hungry. Whether you've fed them mm. a good meal mm. or not, they <laughs> yes. will still mm. take more still food. Eat. Mm. So where do you draw the line and know my dog is not hungry, he's just been obsessive about food? Or how do you know when... The condition of your mm. animal. Mm. <laughs> if your animal is at optimal condition, he should not be carrying excess weight. So just like you will still eat a, um, a sweet because it tastes nice and mm. you're not hungry at all, I think the same applies to your Dogs. But now, a vet once told uh, my family that you mm. should be able to see the dog's ribs. Is that true? Or you should be able to feel them? It depends on the breed of the dog. Mm-hmm. So you have dogs with slighter built, like sight hounds and uh, running dogs, w- which are naturally leaner, in which case you can sometimes see their ribs. You shouldn't, in most breeds, you shouldn't be able to vi- visibly yes, see, their ribs, see their ribs, but you should out. be easily able to feel them underneath the coat. Yes. Mm-hmm. So not to, and I think obesity mm-hmm. is, is getting like with humans, it's mm-hmm. getting out of control in, in the animal world, mm-hmm. in the pet world. I've I've seen some overweight cats like, like mm, you've cats, never in your life seen before, so so that is something mm. the owner needs to have a good long look at and say I'm feeling wrong, feeding too often. Treats is another thing. People yes. yeah. give scraps off the table mm. and and mm. doggy biscuits the whole day. Well, I think that, I think there's a there's an added awareness that's coming through from, you know, an, an upsurge in human nutrition interest. Yes. People are turning the package around. They're reading the ingredients at the back. Um, there's a lot of experimentation around human nutrition, a lot of focus on it. And with dogs and cats being more and more part of the family, you know, those that interest is translating into interest in your yes, pet's food as yes. well. So people are turning their pet food packets around and saying, oh, what's actually in this stuff, you know? And actually having a look. Yeah. And it's, yeah. It's, it's two sides. You know, what are the ingredients? You know, what are, what are people putting into this? Is it? Biologically appropriate for the animal that we're feeding, mm, mm. and the second thing is, you know, how much of what macronutrients in there? Oh, know, take is there in. enough protein for a meat-eating animal, or isn't there? You know, yes. Uh, Whereas I think in the past people used to go and buy no-name brand and throw mm. it down. Yeah, people, you know, dog food was dog food. Cat dog, food was yeah, cat food absolutely, and, you know. absolutely. Now, what about people? And we're going to discuss the the pack lead uh, brands shortly. Mm. But what about this? Great interest in home cooked meals for your dogs. I know there's, there's even a benting diet for dogs <laughs> going around and, you know, mm-hmm. cooking your, I wouldn't do it. I don't have the time. I barely have time to cook for my own family. Never mind sitting yeah. and cook mm-hmm. my baby's big three course meals. What are your thoughts on that, Grant? Is, is a benting diet for dogs, is it a good idea? It can be. It can yeah. be. I mean, well, that would just be meats, like. Yeah. Well, what we yeah. what we say about you know home cooked or raw, or any of those mm. things. Is, yes, the raw food diet. Know, that's right. It's not so much that raw or home cooked as a category is good or bad, mm. but you can do a home cooked meal incredibly well, and you can do it really badly. Right. If you don't balance it, it can be incredibly bad for your dog. If you do, it can be good for your dog. Yes, so, yes. Mm. You know, it's it's not as simple again as as just saying the category is bad. It really depends on how you do it in that category. Yes. Um, the one problem though with with um, you know that kind of feeding is the variability, um, you know, and getting to the point where you know that what you're doing is balanced. Mm. You know, for the average mm. person at home, that that takes a lot of reading, a yes, lot of understanding. Yes. Um, and it's a risk if you don't do that reading and get it right. If you get it right. Mm. Mm. And it is time consuming. I think people are very busy. Very. These and I mean, days. that's where the, that's where the kibble yeah. came from. You know, it was really sort Just of to, to make have it a, easier. a more convenient way to mm. feed a dog or a cat um, that didn't no, take a long no. time out of your day. Yeah, absolutely. And mm. I think at times it can also be a little bit more expensive. If you're actually going to get all those green ingredients balancing everything up, and mm. but I think time mm. is the biggest factor. It's much easier, I think, just to give them an animal product mm. that you know has everything. Everything they need. in, yeah, yeah. no, absolutely. What complicated life. Now, <laughs> another issue: allergi- aller- allergic responses to food. That's also quite common. It seems these days that, like humans, animals are also becoming more susceptible to allergies, skin conditions, mm. that sort of thing. 
Yes, and there are several factors again that play into that. Um, there is a difference between an allergic response, although we tend to call all bad reactions to food and animals, especially as owners, an allergic response. Uh, and there's also something called an intolerance, which means that you're reacting oh. badly to an ingredient yes. in the food without involving your uh, immune system in the response. Um, but, I mean, to the general pet owner, your dog is itching, whether it's called an allergy <laughs> or, yes, yes. or intolerance, it's, it's pretty much the same to you, although the approach to it would be different. So as we mentioned with foods, you have your most common ingredients in pet foods that tend to be the most common allergens to the majority of dogs, and that is quite often through overexposure to that particular ingredient. Okay. So you, a lot of people feed the same food over and over and over again yes. for for a number of years yes. to the animal and then they end up with a allergic response or intolerance to a particular ingredient in the food. And when you think about it in humans as well, if you eat apples for three meals a day, Constantly. every day, yeah. Yeah. for five Can't years, for <laughs> is mm. it more likely we'll develop a, an allergic response to an apple or to kangaroo yes, that, you're never, that you're never exposed to? And that's what your novel protein diets are that help with allergic responses in animals. I think sometimes, though, humans, we do give them a lot of human food. And mm. how bad is bread for dogs? I've heard that bad, like it's super bad for their inflammation and for their mm. joints and things. Is that true? That they should never be eating bread? Well, when you think about it, bread is not species appropriate for no, it's dogs wheat. because mm. it's, uh, it's, mm. it's wheat, uh, very high in carbohydrate, low in protein. It really shouldn't be part of their diet. Carbohydrates are pro-inflammatory. So if you have some sort of inflammatory reaction happening in your dog, for example, it's a senior dog with joint issues, then that would definitely, mm. definitely yes. not help. And you also don't forget misplacing displacing calories uh, with yes. bread um, that should rather be um, supplied to the dog. So as we shouldn't give them table scraps and, and mm. treats and stuff like that. If they're getting a balanced diet, they don't need that. It's us thinking they need it. They don't need that, no. but it's a very pleasant part of their life yeah. and also part of your interaction with Absolutely. your dog. But my my comment would be to just give them healthy treats. Yes. <laughs> you know, they yes. would enjoy a piece of steak more than they would enjoy a piece mm. of bread anyway. Right. <laughs> but I, I think educated people would know that. But mm. you know, when it comes to children and mm. things, they're like eating their sandwich, mm. they, they're tired mm. of it, they just give it to their dog. Mm. I mean, plus, yes. not to yeah. mention there's jam on there. Yeah. Possibly and you butter. can't resist that yeah. little oh. face that's sitting next to you. <laughs> and that's, yeah. Wanting a piece and, of And mom's. the dog's not going to say no. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's not going to say no. Pet maybe. But no. More and more so, dogs are living inside with us, I think. And that does bring that issue of begging you know mm. what do we do yes. do you ignore your dog because you almost feel rude <laughs> yes i do you do feel rude oh. those beautiful eyes looking at well, you I, think, I mean if you go back to sort of the history of dogs and humans you know way back they say around twelve thousand years ago uh you know dogs and humans began co-evolving so whether yeah. it was a cute little wolf pup that stared into the eyes of the hunter <laughs> yes. and and worked on something there but you know we've we've taken that and we've mutated dogs into cuter and cuter forms mm. if you think of yeah. the breeds and what we've done so there's so there's certainly a lot more to that uh, little face that looks at you yes. that looks at you than meets mm. the eye. You know, the eye. there's almost an evolutionary. So they've mm. evolved to manipulate us. <laughs> yeah. is that what you Basically, what I'm saying is there's a plot of foot. Dogs yes, are yes absolutely. Okay. Yeah. I there's certainly agree more. there's certainly a response that you get to to dogs and to cute puppies, and that that is mm. you know hard to describe oh, it in a way. Pulls at the heartstrings. It, it attracts it you in does. some way. But it's funny how cats don't beg. You know, yeah. they'll come in and sort of run around you and rub themselves up against you, but they won't necessarily stare at you and beg. Well, they hire, they just take. Different techniques. Different techniques. They'll just take yeah. it if they yeah. want it. But now you are the importers of, of some very, very good dog food products. Tell me about those, Grant. Okay. So we import a range of foods from Canada, uh, from a company called Champion Pet Foods, and they have two brands. Origin and Akana. And the thinking behind those brands essentially is how can we do the very best for our dogs and cats? How do we put a food together that as closely as possible mirrors their natural diet, what they would eat in the wild? And from that, a lot of the philosophies around the food and the formulation of the food stem. So 
For example, as a company, we advocate rotational feeding between our formulas instead of sticking to a particular formula. For years Unless and years. you're on a particular formula oh. for good reason, like an allergy. Yes. You know, we would say, how would, what would the natural diet look like? How would a wolf eat in the wild? He would go and he would nibble a, a duck and he would grab mm. some eggs out of a nest and then he'd yes, bring down yes. a caribou. It's with not his the pack. same every day. You no. know, he's eating a variety of protein sources and, mm. you know, and so, as a philosophy, then the company would say, well, if that's what happens in nature, that's what we would like to mirror. Um, in terms of the content of the food, uh, we look at high meat content because, again, that's how cats and dogs would eat in nature. Yes. So that's a little bit different from your conventional pet foods. Um, and, you know, as a company, that's really what what, revolve, what, what we revolve around. Yeah. So – is the product manufactured in this country or is it imported from Canada? No, it's imported, imported. from Canada. Um, they have a manufacturing facility. They call it a kitchen mm. in, in Alberta mm. in Canada uh, in some fairly remote farmland. And they have a very uh, Canadian yeah. way of uh, you know, manufacturing the food. Yes. It's all sustainable. Their, their oh, well, fish is good. sustainably fished from 400 lakes there. You know, all of the ingredient manufacturers um, are raising hormone-free, antibiotic-free mm. um, animals that that are used in the foods. And the idea there is that, you know, your nutrition doesn't simply start by eating the right thing. You need to eat the right quality of food. Yes, right. So right. that goes right the way back down through the chain down to are the cattle that, that are ultimately going to be used. Yes. Do they eat grain in a feedlot uh-huh. or are they out there in the fields Yes, eating grass, which is essentially what, <laughs> yes, they, what yes. they've evolved to eat. And in so doing, you sort of preserve the quality of the ingredients right the way through the pet food okay. um, and into your But now something we never think about is we always talk about where humans' meat come from, are the animals treated humanely? Mm-hmm. And I suppose we never really think about mm-hmm. it where our pets' meat yeah. come from. Yeah. Yeah. Sustainable, How are those yeah. animals treated, you know? Yeah. So it's Champion okay. Pet Foods really has you know, set a benchmark there where, where that's very important to them. They audit their suppliers. Mm-hmm. Their suppliers that's sign good. on to a code that's of conduct good. and they make sure that, you know, what goes into your pet food. And in fact, they have a restaurant in their kitchens where mm. you can eat the ingredients that go into your oh, pet food. Are you wow. serious? Yeah. So that's how much of a, how seriously they take it. Jeez. So they make sure that what goes into your pet you is something that, that, you, would, that yes. you would be happy to eat yourself. Yes. Absolutely. Well, I've, I, I think as tin of your as Veruva, mm. it smells so good you actually want to put it on well, toast was, and eat I it yourself. I was going to ask a stupid question <laughs> to Grant and Dr. Sonia. I watch extreme cheapskates, and this one lady finds <laughs> it's cheaper to buy tuna for cats than tuna for humans. <laughs> is there any difference? Can you eat Yeah, can you tuna eat pet for cats? Food? It depends on the brand. <laughs> so it's a buy of your way. Are you buying the tuna that has been discarded for human use because oh. of its, for example, too high mercury content ah. and that's why it's in pet food? Uh, are you eating actually the But at the end of the day, yeah. it's just tuna. It's not like they add extra. No, they do add extra. Mm-hmm. Special things Yeah, I think you've got to be careful. Mm. I don't think you want to go and buy some <laughs> okay. brocked off food yeah. and make a meal so we, our area manager down in KZN, one of his, uh, you know, techniques in introducting the food is actually to open a can yeah, and, and, eat and, it. and have some, you know. Because <laughs> <laughs> really what he's saying is that, you know, it's if good, it's, in, it's good yeah. enough for me, it's good enough for my pet. And, you know, without being funny, we really do believe that, that, you know, you've got to be prepared to, to eat it yourself if you're going to feed it to your pet. We should have done the challenge today. <laughs> we should have brought a bowl in and yeah. made Grant have a good yeah. Yeah. I've, I've yeah, eaten yeah. it for years at trade shows. <laughs> oh, there yeah. you go. My palate's not quite as advanced as the dogs and cats. That <laughs> I don't enjoy it as much as they do, but <laughs> but sometimes there's little, especially the sachets of cat food that you mm. get, various products, and mm. you pour it out, and it actually looks good. You it know? does yeah. look good. Yeah. It smells good. It's mm. not like the olden days of just the tin, and that it was just a, a mush of brown yeah. stuff. Yes. Yeah. No, those days are gone. So we're not saying go out and uh, and buy pet food and use it in your smoothie in the morning. But, <laughs> but what we are saying is, you know, there, there are certain companies that put a lot of effort into making yeah. sure that those ingredients are past fit for human consumption. Yes. That's you fantastic. Know, and if they're not really you introducing issues into your cats and dogs that you would have mm. experienced as a human if you ate food of that quality. Sure. So. And you're going to pay for that in and their you're old age. They, yeah. they sure. are Eventually you pay for it, yeah. Longevity and, and issues. Me, talking about longevity, um, I have my two dogs on nine. Should they change over to a senior pet food? What is the difference between a normal, feeding them a normal, regular uh, dog kibble 
or should you change over it? What's the difference? Is it less calories in it? What What is it? Well, I'm going to talk about optimal senior nutrition mm. because obviously between the yes, different brands, the senior do. formulas can differ yes. greatly. Um, so with your senior animals, the majority of them move around less and they need less calories. So you're feeding them a calorie-reduced formula. Ah, but okay. at the same time, your senior dogs start losing their muscle mass. So their optimal diet, provided they don't have uh, an underlying issue that would um, uh, be contraindicated uh, yes. in that case, you would feed them a higher amount of protein as part of their portion to retain that lean okay. body mass. So you should change over. At what age? Does it depend on the breed? It does depend of the, on the breeds. Your your large dogs will age quicker. Yes. Their lifespan is shorter, so they would need a senior diet sooner in their life. For them, it's usually advocated at six or seven. Oh, that early? Wow. Really? Yeah. That early? Yeah. scary. Your medium-sized okay. dogs, probably you know from seven till ten, depending yes. on the age of that animal. And then cats and, uh, and cat small. cat looks like 20. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 25. They have, a, they have a great life. Yeah, 10 to 12 for, for, <laughs> 10 to 12 for a cat. Yes, and then uh, you're also looking for uh, joint support in your formulas. So you would like uh, to see increased levels of uh, uh, omega-3s. So those, uh, that's DHA and EPA from fish oil, glucosamine and chondroitin for joints. Um, that omega-3 is also good for senility because as humans, they also um, tend to uh, go into a yes, bit of a cognitive yes. decline. As well as the age. It's, it's very interesting. I mean, we've worked closely together on Canine Zone magazine, and we've had a sort of case histories mm. in one of the issues. And people absolutely love that. It must be wonderful to see when an animal mm. is suffering from obesity or allergies or something. They go mm. on your range and completely mm. turned around. You must hear a lot of that. We do, and it's it's one of the things that you know makes the makes what mm. we're doing so pleasurable worthwhile. it's uh, and it feels worthwhile you know and we are, we often find dogs that have had a really poor nutritional mm. background yes. when they change onto a, a higher quality food yes. food with joint support and high levels you know of active ingredients and DHA and EPA and so on you can you literally physically see the change yes. within a few weeks or a few months. Yes, um, especially the shelter dogs, some mm, previously you, abused dogs. The, the change around is unbelievable. Yeah, so it you know really if you is. know that animal well and you and you see those changes, mm. you really get to see nutrition working. How it works. Yeah. Mm. So you do. Um, it's Alcana, Origin, and then we're Ver- Veruva. Yes, Veruva. Veruva. Yeah, Veruva is from a different company called oh, Veruva, okay. um, and that is. Sort of the equivalent of uh, origin in a carna, but in a canned form. So that's the so it's also past fit okay. for human consumption. In case, in fact, it's made in a, a human canning facility uh, that cans human delicious. food. Yeah, <laughs> it really does. And so it's the the equivalent uh, quality of ingredient, just from a different company in a different uh, package. And then origin and a carna are the pellets, are, are, the, dried the, are the dried foods, okay. and also the freeze dried foods. So they've launched uh, freeze-dried foods and freeze-dried treats, which is a, um, a high-tech process. It's what they use to, to make astronaut food. What? So, <laughs> yeah. so it's, it's basically the process is you, is you uh, remove the moisture almost yes. entirely from, you know, a fresh meat-type preparation. Right. Um, and it's freeze-dried. So you flash-freeze it and remove all that moisture. And uh, so it's very light. And you can either we used you know as a treat you can feed it as a treat so it's a hundred percent. Is it is it frozen? No, no, so it's no. Not frozen. So it's it's, it's shelf stable and it's dry. Yes. The oh. process involves flash freezing. Oh, um, so it's but not in essence, what you're freezer. doing is is you're removing all of the moisture from that. Uh, so is that meat that means it just lasts and lasts for a long time. It lasts a really long time. It's yes. also very light. Mm. Um, okay. You know, so for shipping and so on, it's it's a and very light product. And where would we get? Is this a vet only product, or is it in pet stores? It's available from a lot of vets and vet stores and high end pet stores. A lot of people ask about online ordering of pet food. Do you offer that for people that stay out somewhere where there's no pet stores, mm. no close vets? Do you do that? We we don't sell online as a company specifically, but we yes. do supply some of the. Larger online stores oh, okay. in South Africa, and they do carry all of our products. So, so if somebody wanted to get hold of you or wanted to get hold of your products, can they? Uh, do you have a website or where they could find out where the stockists are? Yeah, absolutely. It's championpetfoods.co.za, um, and from there they can learn more about the foods. And there's also a 
list of suppliers and list of stockists. Yes. So they know where yeah, to go and get can, it. Yeah. And hopefully some of those case histories there as well. That really, yeah. really was impressive. Yeah, that we've, really got, was we've got testimonials, people who've, you know, yeah. gone on to the foods and what their experience has been. And price-wise, <laughs> where would we fall? Would we fall in the high so, end, medium, <coughs> lower? Yeah, w- one of our big challenges as a company is to get across the concept of cost per, f- per mm, feed or cost per yes. day. You know, because the general principle is the, you know, the higher the quality of ingredient, the more nutrient dense the food, the lower the portion size. So a 12 kilogram bag of food A, um, you know, is not equivalent to a 12 kilogram bag of food B. You may, in fact, reduce the portion size by as much as 40 or 50 percent. So, you know, if there's a lot of stuff in there that you're not using or the dog's not using, it's it's not going to – It's not nutritious. Like Jono was saying earlier, in the long run, it's going to cost you less. Mm. But that was very, very interesting. There's so many more questions that we probably could have asked you about it. So I think we're going to have to get you back in again sometime soon. We have to bring the food with because we want taste. We're going to do it. We're going to do it. We'll we'll get Gareth in to have a nice meal and Damon. If it's good enough for (laughs) our dogs, We'll do the pet food challenge. There you go. We'll do a tasting. I thought you you can ask me to bring my dog. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, please. Please do. Grant, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you, Sonia. I think thank you've you answered a lot of questions. Pleasure. Thanks for having us. And, yeah, we'll definitely have you back in again soon. No problem. Thanks so much. Unreal. Uncensored. Unradio. Clipcentral.com. So now we're back with Carolyn, who's a veterinarian, and she's with the business... She's the business unit manager of MSD. Hi, Carolyn. Welcome. Thank you, Sharon. Hi. So we, we ran a little bit over time there with our previous guest, but it was such an interesting topic. Now, yours is as interesting. Um, I have a good friend whose doggy passed away this last week. Very pampered dog, stayed in the house, slept next to her bed. And by the time she caught Billary, it was too late, and he actually passed away. Shame, sorry, Sharon, I'm really sorry to hear that. Mm. Um, Billary, it is. It's really a terrible disease. Um, and it's something that unfortunately, once the dog gets Billary, it can, it can respond to treatments and yes. other times it doesn't. And, you know, even the best of owners don't always see it early enough. Yes. And the only way to prevent it is to prevent the dogs it's being bitten. Prevent getting it exactly, in the first place. Exactly, getting them ticks in the first place. Because it can escalate very, very quickly. Yes, and it can. And can go downhill very, I mean, very quickly. I remember when I was a vet, there's even times where even your best owner said, you know, they promised the dog ate breakfast that morning mm. and four hours later the dog really is, you know, nearly on death's door already. Yes. So it can be very quick. How long do you have, like, with Billary? No, and it From really, the time it gets bitten to the time? Well, you wouldn't know. Hey, you wouldn't in know general, you're bitten. looking at about a week incubation period ah. from the time the tick um, gets bitten until you see clinical signs. But from the time the tick bites, it takes about 48 hours to transmit the parasite. Then the parasite's in the dog's And Sharon, you would also probably know, what do I look out for? Yeah, what are the symptoms, Carolyn? One of the most common things that people find is their dog doesn't really want to eat pale gums. But normally you need a good owner to go as far as looking at their Mm. dog's gums. Mm. Usually it'll be things like doesn't want to eat. Um, They're listless. They're lying around. They're not their usual bouncy selves. Um, They often, they generally have a high temperature. But again, you need your more um, astute owner to pick that sort of thing up. Right. Mm. Is it true that you can tell the temperature just by feeling their ears? I think it does. It depends on the dogs. Um, mm, and I've how got, well you know the exactly, temperature. Exactly. Yes. And also, I mean, it's a very cold morning. Your dog's ears might feel warm to your touch mm. anyway because their body temperature is warm. On a very hot day, you might not feel no, that difference. No, you might difference. not feel it. So, and a wet yeah. nose? Um, is that a fallacy? That in if a dog it's a fallacy <laughs> in that it comes from, you know, if your dog is severely di- dehydrated, yes. yes, they will get a drier nose. Right. But if your dog still has a moist nose, it doesn't mean it doesn't have a temperature oh, or that okay. it's not ill. So okay. it's definitely not a 100% diagnostic yes. sign. Because I know that's always been said, if the dog's nose is wet, it's fine. If yeah. it's dry, it's not um, fine. It's, it's something to look at, but it's definitely not a guarantee. Now, Carolyn, 
let's focus on ticks for now. Is this a year-round problem or only in winter, uh, summer and spring? It really does depend on where you live because it mm. also depends on temperatures. So I know I personally live in Blue Hills, Kailami area, and they often actually see billary even during winter. Um, because we've got a lot yes, of plots, we've got yes. long grass and that sort of thing. It does drop off during winter because there are less ticks during winter. But it's winter, still around. But we still see it. You know, we don't live in a country where you're getting to minus five, mm, minus six mm. on a daily basis. Yes. Uh, we do get frost. Your more temperate areas like KZN, coastal areas, they definitely see it all year round because they don't really get that cold no. to kill off the ticks. Um, so it's more prevalent in summer, but it can still occur yes, during winter. but it can go all year round. Yes. And, I mean, it can get picked up anywhere. You can go, it's in your back garden. Well, it's Pixel, wherever you can wherever get ticks. You go. Yes. Um, and you know what people tend to forget? I, I think of my mother who lives in Bedford View. She says, yeah, but she doesn't have ticks on her property. Mm. You know, she's a kugel in that sort of area. Yeah. Yet she found a cluster of ticks on her dog the other day. And it's really? because we have hardy dogs flying in. We yes. have straight cats because coming into your birds. property. Exactly. Yeah. You know, ticks can be on rabbits. They can be on rats. They can be on birds. They can be on the neighbor's cat. You know, just because mm. your dog doesn't leave the property doesn't mean it's not going to get ticks because there are mm. other Animals that come into our property. I've always wondered how dogs get ticks when they live within I your boundaries. Hardy yeah. does, yeah. Hardy does. Yeah. A lot so to answer for. <laughs> it's more the other urban pets and wildlife that oh, do cross okay. our properties. And then, obviously, for those of us who take our pets out to more yes, grassy areas, to dog walk parks, yeah. exactly. Your, your ticks yeah. are on the grass, yeah, and they tend to okay. sort yes. of stand on the on a, lo- a sort it's of a blade grass. of grass, yeah. exactly. And they do what's called questing. They they wait for an animal to come past, yes. and then they climb on. Yes. Is it if a tick bites your dog or cat, is it definite that it will get billary? No, it depends on the species of ticks. There are many different types of ticks, and there's one particular tick called the yellow dog tick that usually transmits billary. Um, and even then, that tick has to have actually been infected with the parasite. So it's okay. the same as okay. if we get bitten by a mosquito, it doesn't mean you're going to get malaria. Get malaria. Okay. And at the end of the day, the best way to get around this is prevention, to prevent. But going back now on to fleas. Can fleas cause health conditions or is it more the itch and the irritation, allergies, that sort of thing? Both. Um, it, the, the fleas do cause a lot of uncomfort to pets. Mm. Um, the actual bite is very itchy and you see them scratching. They can also set off allergies, um, yes. flea allergy dermatitis. So that's quite common with fleas. And they actually transmit tapeworm. And oh, tapeworm right. is what we'd call a zoonosis. It's something people can pick up, especially yes. children. Yes. You know, you play with your dogs, you don't wash your hands, you touch your mouth. So, yes, fleas transmit tapeworm to dogs yes. and cats, and then that can actually transmit to us as well. But okay. they don't transmit life-threatening diseases no, not like not ticks Like billary does. Yes. So it's very, very important. I know we, we do it regularly to prevent this, and the only way to do this is to use a preventative medication or and I know in the past the only route that was open to us was something that you would pour on their backs or uh, something they'd wear around their neck or something like that so sometimes people would find it a little bit of an issue it's smelly that sort of thing now you've got a product called Prevecto which is revolutionary because they eat it it's a tablet yeah, I mean, and the greatest thing is it's not even a real tablet. We call it a mm. chew because it's actually, it looks like a Rolo chocolate. It's um, a very palatable, soft chew that the dogs take as a treat. Yes. Um, we were very excited to launch this product because it just makes owners' lives so much easier. Yeah. Uh, we launched in August last year, and effectively what the product is, is it's just that. It's a treat that the dogs can eat out of your hand. Yes. Um, and then it lasts for 12 weeks. For both ticks and fleas. For both ticks and fleas. Yes. So, you know, what we find in South Africa and world, worldwide is people tend to get, they have busy lives. Mm. They forget mm. to treat their pet until their dog gets bullery or until yeah, they find a tick late. on their yes. dog or until the dog is really scratching because it has fleas and then they treat. So we don't always remember to treat proactively. We treat after we have a yes, problem. Yes. So, and they also find people only give their dogs treatments maybe twice a year. So with Brevecto, you're covering a 12 week period with just 
just giving a treat effectively yes. without having to, you know, put to on go a spot through on. Chase your dog around exa- the garden exactly. trying to get something on their back. Exactly. <laughs> and if you've got active dogs that enjoy swimming or you live at the coast yeah, and they enjoy going to the off. beach in the sea, yes. a lot of the top spots do wash off. Whereas with Brevecto, it's actually in the dog's bloodstream. Um, so, you know, they can swim as much as they want and it will actually not affect the product not at all. Not affect at all. And, and what about cats? Is it something that cats can use as well? Not at this point. Not um, right, no. we have done safety studies because we have actually, we've been made aware of a couple of times where because of the tablet is so is so tasty mm. that cats are actually stealing it from the dog because oh, the dog has a chance to take it. <laughs> um, so we know that it's safe for cats, but we haven't done the trials yet on this particular oral product to yes. say how long it would last or what the dose should be. Um, so we don't have a product for cats at this point yes. for ticks. We do have a different product called right, Actual, right, which does right. fleas in um, for cats, cats, but Brevecto is specifically for dogs. Because I think it's also, as you say, a lot of people forget it's you know you've got to go and catch the dog and put it on and all that kind of thing but what is nice is that the dogs can actually they probably ask you for it if it's that tasty remember mom i need my brevecto <laughs> that I is exactly do. it i mean the do- i've got four dogs and they literally sit there and jump on top of me and yes. fight for it when i need to actually give each of them their two so that it really is and very Karen, tasty so side effects are there any side effects? it is incredibly safe very product safe. we've done a lot of trials because you know people are often concerned that you're giving something mm, that's not going to be internal. in the bloodstream yes. how is it not affecting your own dog um, and effectively the product works only on insect nerve cell receptors so it is so ah. specific um, and it works on two different receptors in the insect so it doesn't have any effect on mam- on mammals so it has no okay. effect on humans so or what is it a dogs. smell that is exuded through the skin uh, no the, a, a tick or flea actually has to bite first yes. and then they take up a blood meal and then what? the active ingredient, which is called fluorolana, goes into the tick or the flea and starts killing them. So as soon as they mm. take in that blood meal, it already starts to kill them. They start to die off within two hours already. And then the product's 100% effective within eight hours for fleas and 12 hours for ticks. And then sure. that lasts for a full time. But now, now if the ticks, ticks already bit but, them. Yeah. No. Could it everyone always, uh, no, you see, everyone always asks that question. With it, with transmitting biliary, a tick has to be attached and feeding for at least 48 hours. Oh. But because Brevecto is killing from two hours with its maximum yes, efficacy yes. by 12 hours, it's, you know, it's a quarter of the amount of right. time the fleas will, be, the ticks will be dead without transmitting the biliary. So puppies, uh, we've done trials from eight females. weeks. Yeah. You can use on puppies from eight weeks of age. Uh, we didn't test anything younger than that. Yes. Um, so that's why we can only claim eight weeks. It's safe in pregnant and lactating bitches. Uh, another thing that's very important is there's a lot of products that you can't use in your herding type breeds, like border mm-hmm. collies, rough collies, um, and we've tested Brevecto in those type of dogs, and it's 100% safe in them in all the studies that we've done. Why are some products yeah, not the safe? For yeah, there's, a, there's actually a gene mutation that yes. the, the herding breeds have yes. that actually makes products that have ivermectin um, actually very unsafe for them. They can have some really? neurological reactions well, that's to good it. to know. Yeah, now. that is good uh, to like, know. So many of us have collies. Yes, yeah. yes. With, so uh, that's just, you know, a lot of the safety concerns. We've done five times overdose studies, you know, for the person who's... Who leaves had, it lying around. Exactly. Mm. We've, we've had it. We had somebody with a Yorkie phone the other day to say they were giving their Yorkie their chew and the Yorkie loved it so much it stole the Bourbles <gasps> chew as well. Oh. So we've done all those studies, you know, to show that it is so safe in overdoses. Them. Yes. Um, so, you know, we've done up to five times overdose studies without having seen but any also problems. also probably helps, especially if you have children. I know I always used to worry after you've done the whole treatment on your dogs. Exactly. To you don't touch have, them then, you don't really want it because it's, it's poison yeah. that you're putting there and if it gets on your hands and you eat yeah. something I don't know if it can affect you but no, you worry. Exactly. It, 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 and that's one of the great things about the Brevecto is once your dog mm. has taken it it's in, done, chewed it's it, internal. it's done. Yes. Not, you know, you've got no worries for another 12 weeks. You don't have to worry about catching it, putting it on, washing your hands. Yes. Um, you know, your dog is then pre- uh, protected for another 12 so weeks. So is it 100% guaranteed you do that you are not going to have a biliary no, incident. No product can, con- no product no can, product can actually claim to prevent biliary. Yes, we can 100%. only prevent ticks, you know, we Which can prevent ticks. Yeah, effectively, yes. Brevecto is controlling your ticks. However, 
the product does is 100 percent in the beginning at 12 at sorry at um, on the day you give it. Yes. But obviously, 12 weeks later, it has dropped to, for example, 98 sure. yeah. percent. Oh, so you've always got that yes. small percentage. But because it works so quickly and it works for so long, and there's less chance of owners forgetting after four weeks and mm. remember after six weeks to give you know put on your next top spot, your chances of preventing the disease are better. Are better um, using a product. And like I mean, delivery is is not cheap. No, to, I mean, to get it treated. It is a very expensive it treatment. Is ex- it depends again on the level. Yes. I mean, I've had one of my dogs with biliary uh, an injection and sorted, but it can progress so quickly. It can be a lot more complicated so that they need drips, often even yes. blood transfusion. So it can be very expensive. Yeah, so not to mention loss of life. But exactly. And I yeah. mean, for a lot of people, their, pl- their pet is their, their child. Children? It's irreplaceable. Mm. Um, so, yeah, the, the cost of Brevetto versus cost of biliary, I mean, that yeah, doesn't even come that can't doesn't compare. compare. But no. even just, you know, basic tick and flea control is important, you know, for other reasons. Just, you know, the itching, the scratching. Yes. There are other diseases other than biliary that can also be transmitted by ticks. Um, so it is very important to do your basic okay. tick and flea control. Do you have any advice on when you find a tick on your dog? Because uh, yeah. I know no, you're not supposed you to just it? pull it. Mm. Well, what do you say? You know what? I think you should remove it. Um, I think the idea of you'll leave the head in yes, and the dog I've will get septicemia and all yes. those kind of things is more o- old wives' tales. You do want to make sure you remove the head and the mouth parts. So usually with your nails, you can grab just between the tick's head and the skin, if that makes sense, and yes. actually just pull it off from there. Most of 99% of the time, I'd say you'd be pulling the whole tick off rather okay. than leaving it on. Um, I don't know if it's true. Apparently, tick. only the red ticks carry. Yes, tick I was bite going to say that is too. That I've also heard, but myth? is it not that it's just when they have blood that they become no, big and? Big? No, it's not. Actually, those big and fat ones, yes. those are the females of most tick species, because ah. you know, as females, we like to eat we a lot and <laughs> bigger. And so, effectively, the males are usually small. The females are the ones that engorge with blood. Then they fall off and oh, lay so eggs. So those are the girls, and the little yes. red ones are the boys. Or they could be the larvae, because there's a life cycle. Um, so you're small ticks you often get those little red pepper ticks Mm. those are often your larvae of your ticks um so yes the yellow dog tick is the one that mostly transmits biliary but it's quite difficult so you say the yellow it's called the yellow dog tick but it's red (laughs) that's why i say it's quite difficult for the (laughs) layperson to know which tick is on their dog because it comes down to you know different what it looks like and that so i would remove a tick on my dog if i saw it Um, rather than leaving it on. Okay, now this is going to get a bit gross, but then what do you do with the tick? Because it's still alive. (laughs) Well, (laughs) I have very short nails, and I still squash it between my nail Mm. and my finger. You can wash it down the drain. Mm. If you're outside, you can use a stone and just crush it. Um, I'll just kill it, because otherwise, if you just drop it back into the grass, it's going to climb onto I mean, we we do promote all animals on the show, and we're going to have somebody coming in to talk about various bugs one, one of these days. But a tick... I mean, you wonder if it's got any usefulness whatsoever <laughs> yeah. in nature. Yeah. I don't, I don't I suppose know. There's some, everything's got a place in the ecosystem. Guess, you know, maybe it's, it's there for birds to eat or population That's control. True. That's true. In the old, That's you know, true. Yeah. yes, it's affecting our pets, but it also transmits disease in wildlife and maybe it was a way of controlling populations in wildlife yeah, in I those stages. Yeah, I everything does have its place. So, so, so Carolyn, if people want to find out more or where can they get Brevecta, is it in pet stores, only at vets, where can you find it? Brevecta is only available through the veterinary channel, through, so through your vet or veterinary um, retail stores. A lot, of yes. the super, a lot of the shopping centers do have those sort of vet shops. Yes. Um, in fact, I've even seen it. We've got a pet store near us called uh, VIP. They yeah. stock it. So, so your vet shops, we don't sell into your normal pet shops. So the shops where you'll usually see your other premium dog like food the brands. Like Vet Smart. Yeah, exactly. Thing. Vet yes. Smart, Vet Plus Pet, those sort of um, stores have it. And then all the vets have got it. Um, the product's been so successful that I, they really are very it's few, sto- few And vets I see there's also for it. different sizes yes. of dogs. So um, from the teenies to the There's five sizes. There's toy and small. So those two will take you up to 10 kilos. Then there's your mediums, which do up to 20 kilos. Large will do to 40 kilos. And extra large will do 40 to 56. Yes. Okay. And if you've really got a dog that's over 56 kilos, you can start yes. combining two of the tablet sizes together. Okay, fantastic. Um, now, I think it's it's an awesome. We actually spoke about it on Canine Zone Facebook page last week. And the, the response we had was 
unbelievably good. And yeah, Victor being one of our sponsors of Canine Zone, <laughs> we were very glad to see no, that. No, we were very excited so, to see that no, post. It's, it's great. We try to give people advice. This is what is good. This yes. is what's out there. This is what's new. So thank you very much for coming in today. Pleasure. We thank really, really appreciate it. And uh, I think we've basically run out of time. Jono, yeah. that went quick again. Yeah, I see Pumi's ready to come yep. in. Let's just I get think up. we're going to be tossed out here. <laughs> we'll be back next week again. In the meantime, give your dog's a big hug. Unreal. Uncensored. Unradio. Cliffcentral.com.